past ten for a Thursday morning. Join Steve Vines and me on Facebook Live if you can. Morning Brew is the page, and that's where he's waiting, lurking. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Good morning. Well, you know, I'm I'm in a secure location. I, I secure like location you where, in your I house. Will have to kill you. <laughs> Brilliant. He's not too he's not too cheery about this, but I'm loving all the toys. <laughs> Good to talk oh, to you, Steve. Know. What's cooking? Well, I mean, I see that finally, finally, after weeks and weeks, after practically everybody else managed to do it, the Hong Kong government has managed to send two planes to Wuhan to bring people back from that what is frankly a hellhole. Mm. And there's another two planes planned. I mean Talk of absolutely incomprehensible reasons for this delay. What are the reasons, to your knowledge? Well, the reasons are, apparently, and I always listen very carefully to the CNO, the chief executive in name only, who said that um, she she discovered that Hubei province is very big. Yeah. Gosh, who knew? Wuhan City apparently is big. Gosh, who knew? Yeah. Um, And it's very complicated and blah, 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 and, you know, forms to be filled in. And, you know, the, the extraordinary thing is that forms managed to be filled in by practically everybody else on the planet who bought their residence home. Hong Kong's delay, I very uh, strongly suspect, has nothing to do at all with logistics and everything to do with politics. Like in what? Sense, what? Interesting. Well, in, in, in the sense that there's a, 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 paral- a paralysis of fear among the uh, officials here, that they would be seen as pretending to be a state as opposed to a mere special administrative region. Mm. Because most of the people who are repatriated came from independent countries, you know, Britain, France, America, blah, blah, blah. Even Myanmar sent a plane over to bring their people back. So, you know, um, they, they were like, oh, my God, oh, are they going to criticise us for pretending to be a real country when all we are is a tiny little SAR? Well, you know... Good luck with that monkeying around. The fact of the matter is that, as we've seen on the flights that have already arrived, it contained pregnant women who most certainly didn't want to be in Wuhan during this crisis. Mm. It contained school children who had to come back to do their exams, etc., etc. In other words, there was an urgent need for people to come back. And as ever, the Hong Kong government failed to step up to the plate. Several things have happened over the past few months and the resounding cry from their detractors seems to be too little too late. Well, I mean, let, let's look at a marvellous example of this, which is um, which came earlier in the week, when the government finally said, oh, I'll tell you what, because everybody's suffering during this, we're all going to take a pay cut ourselves. We're going to donate one month's pay to the community chest. This yep. is the chief executive. Um, who, you know, is very hard up. She only gets 400000 dollars a month, plus free housing, plus, plus, plus. So, I mean, she's scraping along on that, how she manages to live on a mere 400000 a month. Or how the members of her executive council, who attend one meeting per week, oh, but they have to read the papers, except for those who can't read. There are a couple of them who've got reading difficulties. But, you know, we're not going to be critical of them because they're studying. They get, for attending this one meeting a week, they get something like $83,000 per month. So they're making the enormous sacrifice. And why have they done it? Oh, yes, because they were shamed into doing it by the Singaporean government that did it. And their 
miserable little excuse for only acting after Singapore acted was, oh, we were thinking about it. We were, you know, we were sitting there, we were having meetings, and oh, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh. And no, you weren't. You were, you were prattling around as usual. It always takes with this government somebody else to set the agenda, somebody else to take the initiative. You know, why were finally most of the borders closed between ourselves and the mainland? Because public pressure became insurmountable. And was, that too, why have, and was that actually too late, in your opinion? I don't know. I, I, See, I don't yeah. know. But I think the fact of the matter is that even if it wasn't medically necessary, it was psychologically necessary in the sense that in a situation like this, people do need to be reassured mm. of rapid action. You do need to have confidence in the people who are running the system, because if you don't have that, you get these crazy things that have been happening in Hong Kong. People flooding into the shops, buying loo roll and kitchen roll and rice, etc., etc., when there was no shortage. Yeah. So that is a reflection of lack of confidence. It's not a reflection of material reality, as in the sense of, you know, shortage or, or, or whatever. Yeah. And incidentally, to this day, and as far as I know, we're in March, the government still has not managed to source face masks. Thank God. Well, for the, the, the jury is so out over these things it, right now. It is. It, ain't it just? I mean, thank God for the initiative of non-government organisations and private sector initiatives that we've got more masks than we would have otherwise. If it was left to those, you know, numpties in the government, the, the, the existing shortage would be extremely more severe than it is. Now, of course, some of those involved in, in, in sourcing masks from the pro-government camp are, are drawing as much political capital as they can from this. And, you know, well, I suppose, why wouldn't they? Yeah. But it's not a proud thing. I wouldn't, if, if I was them, I wouldn't go waving that red flag too proudly over your um, ability to source masks from Shenzhen and then say, we're going to give this to people who are, you know, loyal to the party and all that nonsense. However, there we are. I mean, we're in a situation where you've got a no-credibility government. But the great thing about Hong Kong, and, and perhaps this isn't said often enough, is why do we have such a low level of infection? I mean, I know 100 people infected is not good, but you know, relative to other places like Iran or Italy, et cetera, et cetera, or, or South Korea, Hong Kong's level of infection is very low. Mm. That's down to the people of Hong Kong have taken on board their own initiative to take measures to prevent the virus. It's down to the frontline medical workers who Regina Ip wants to put in jail for insisting on better protective clothing and uh, asking the government to, to, to close the borders. May, may she rot in many hells as, as this uh, <laughs> as this uh, thing develops. But, you know, I mean, it really is remarkable that the, you know, fortunately we've only um, seen, well, not fortunately, because no death is fortunate, but the, the death rate in Hong Kong is very low. I think it still stands at two. Yeah. Level of inflections is just over 100. I mean, this is very low compared with, you know, a, a death toll in SARS of 277 and an infection rate well into four digits. This is... I mean, I'm not saying that it will stay like this, but at the moment, it is looking relatively 
good. Mm. Or relatively not bad, maybe. Just waiting to hear what of the people that came back. We saw some pictures of them sitting on the plane, sort of separated by an empty seat and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, and there was the usual theatrics. They had to take, you know, various numpties up there from the government with all their, their clipboards to be photographed, uh, not putting people on the plane. I mean, it was very funny. So they send all these these um, secretaries over there to assist and, and control the immigration um, procedure for these people. What, in fact, they did was they sat in the, air, the airport terminal, you know, sort of going, oh, I don't want to be anywhere near those people, but, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm here. Hmm. Give me a photograph, snap. Incidentally, talking of which, have you noticed now that when the Sino goes out, the only photographs you can get of her are official handout photographs. Oh, yes. From... <laughs> I mean, this is this is like the, the 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 Goebbels system where you know, and Hitler went anywhere. He, nobody was allowed to take a photograph except for one chosen photographer. I, I'm not making that comparison. May I just? I say. like the way a lot of leaders have these photos taken, Steve. I mean, Kim Jong Un is here's a picture of Kim Jong Un looking at things. Yes, That's what he does. He's looking at or stuff. Or instructing, instructing the army, giving guidance, giving guidance. I like that. The, the, it's, it's a great thing in, in, in the communist um, vocabulary. The leader is always giving guidance. Yeah. So, so Carrie Lamb turns up, as she did yesterday, um, I don't know where it was exactly, but she turned up somewhere where she was giving guidance. And there's all these people standing around looking, uh, why am I here? Why is she here? And that's in the official photograph. Can you imagine what it would look like if you actually had access? The official but of course, Carrie Lam is still somebody, is still the leader of Hong Kong. Let's never forget this, who can't actually go out in the streets because she's so scared of the people. I well, mean, what a situation hmm. we're still in. <laughs> I mean, in this day and age, it might not be a wise thing to do. I, yeah, you, you, <laughs> you could say that. Can, can I mention something else which is really close to my heart? Of course you can. Dogs. Go on then. Now, there's been all this fuss about this alleged dog. It's a Pomeranian. Alleged dog. Alleged dog. It's not a real dog. I've got proper dogs. Oh, please. I've consulted my two dogs on this matter, who are proper street dogs, and they said, that Pomeranian is a rat on legs. I am not having it described as a dog, but apparently it may well have the virus, which is not communicable to human beings, but... They have traces of it about their, their, their person. Yep, yep. So I don't think it's at all fair to other dogs to draw any, any... Um, That's your point, is it, this morning on this one? Yeah. Okay. Any conclusion <laughs> from such a small and insignificant beast, that is not what I call a proper dog. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to Avet about this the other day, and I had him go through absolutely everything about that. Yeah. Because, you know, this is how horrendous rumours start. I mean wives tales whatever you want to call them yeah yeah i mean it, you know but it, it is part of the um enormous uncertainty that 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 is created i mean you know in a in a situation of a, a spreading pandemic i'm not sure whether we're even allowed to call it a pandemic at the moment but let's call it by its name of course there's uncertainty of course people are worried mm. but the way always to tackle it is to be straight with people to give them timely and accurate information, to have the credibility. Now, there are, thank goodness, people in the medical sector in Hong Kong with a vast amount of credibility. And, you know, 
they will they will do the job. They will be, um, and they are doing the job. But the, the the political leadership, boy, have they fallen down on the job. And I think what we can say with absolute certainty, because very else is certain about this this uh, outbreak, yeah, is the political aftermath. Anybody who thinks that it will be the same as the SARS aftermath <coughs> is very much mistaken. Because, I mean, although, let's just remember, after SARS, you had the Article 23 debacle, which did for Tung Chihua, who was then the chief executive. Mm -hmm. the, the, the extent of the protests now and the level in which they've been woven into the fabric of society is so much more than it was during 2003, mm -hmm. that it's absolutely impossible to think that we'll emerge from this crisis without any kind of repercussion. Oh, and incidentally, you do remember after SARS <coughs> that Dr... <laughs> Every time you say can't SARS, you cough. Did you realise that? I know, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> virus paying up. <coughs> sorry about this. Do Dr. Yo, who was the health secretary, took responsibility and resigned. We have you ever be... seen? Go on. Oh, oh I'll just go. Have you ever seen anyone in this administration taking responsibility? Well, we will be back after the news with Steve Fines with part two. We'll be doing part two on Facebook Live as well. Steve, very quickly, what are we going to talk about after the news? I think we might just switch horses, shall we? Why not? Let's do it. <coughs> shall we talk about this? Um, more, more, more great news from the MTR. That's a good enough one for me. We'll be back in a bit. Yeah. With Steve Vines, we're still on Facebook Live, so join us there if you can, and uh, let's get into the goodies. Well, it, it, it's our old friends back at the MTR again, yes. um, the mass, the mass traumatic railway, <laughs> um, who um, have issued their report now. Remember, there was this major um, track. Uh, what would you call it, track failure? I mean, the fact of the matter is the trains came off the tracks last crunch, year. wasn't it? Yeah. And they, they did an investigation, and at the time it was widely said, aha, you see it's the protesters, they derailed the trains. Turns out it wasn't that at all. It was some cock-up by MTR staff. Right. But the apology over that, I if it has been issued, I missed it somewhere. Don't yeah. know what happened to it. It's one of those strange things that, I don't know, just went, went, went into the ether. But the fact of the matter is that, that there was a cock-up. But the real problem which this report identified was, you know, people always make mistakes. The real problem is that, that the MTR's management system, their checking system, yep. is just not up to scratch. And um, that's why when mistakes like this are made, which fortunately in this case was highly inconvenient but not fatal, mm. um, they're likely to happen again because they just refuse to get their act together. You know, they come out of this and, and you get one of their numpties, goes on television, goes, oh, I'm very sorry, oh, I'm very I'm humbly sorry, and, you know, nods and bows and all the rest of it. And you think, yeah, 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 that's all very lovely. What are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do in terms of actually fundamentally changing the management ethos within the MTR, which should be safety first, um, speed at fulfilling objective second. Well, what can they do, Steve? Because this was like a bang, bang, bang to rights one, really, wasn't it? You would think so, but there you go. And, I mean, now you've got this this other thing with the MTR where we now know that the Shatin Central Link is the most expensive piece of railway 
in history. It's funny how they're playing silly buggers with the uh, with the figures, because they're now saying, oh, this project is going to cost ninety point seven billion. Yeah, quite a lot of money. That's no kidding. More than seven milky bars, by my latest calculation. Um, but in fact, what it's going to cost is ninety-seven point one billion. Well, it's jump well, change when you get to those amounts of figures. Isn't seven it? billion. Oh well, you know. I mean, that's 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 what people at RTHK get paid every week, <laughs> apparently. Not that much. <laughs> um, but but seriously, I mean, seven billion is a vast sum of money, and what they're actually talking about is that extra seven billion is coming out of the MTR's own pocket rather mm. than the um, public pocket. Mm. But on the other hand, you know, this is all pile of Horlicks, because 40, sorry, not 45%, 75% of the equity of the MTR is owned by us, the, you know, the great unwashed, the taxpayer, leaving only 25% to be owned by um, shareholders. So, you know, you take it out one pocket, pocket and put it in the other, it doesn't really matter. It is essentially a public entity with small private style characteristics. Yeah. The problem with this is that the government is saying, oh, we're not going to pay the 1.37 billion management fee that we're contracted to pay because, you know, we want to keep the figure down and we want to say that we've actually reduced the cost overrun. Hmm. You know, stop playing games. This is just nonsense. The, 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 the MTR may well take its owner to the court, to court. I mean, this is all getting too bizarre. As I say it, I'm thinking... How's that going to work out? My Lord, I'm, you know, it's like I'm taking daddy to court because he didn't give me my pocket money. I mean, that's actually more or less what, 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 what's going on here. We've seen many instances like this we in have. Hong Kong, haven't and we? It never, and it never ends well, can I just say? A lot of these highfalutin families with restaurant chains and stuff, it's like yes. war, night of the long lives for they, these guys. They sure do. And as I say, it never ends well. I don't see how this could possibly end well. But remember, this is... This, this this piece of railway from Sha Tin to Central yeah. is actually more expensive than the Great White Elephant High Speed Railway to Guangzhou, which cost a mere, a mere $84 billion to the taxpayer. I mean, you know, $84 billion, hardly worth talking about, is it? Mm. I can spend that in an afternoon on, on Hermes handbags. Takes us back to history when the great thing, <coughs> the next great thing was, in fact, the railways and Stevenson's rocket and all this stuff. But yes. this was an epoch-making game-changer. But the the enthusiasm for railways here is quite large. Well, and so it should be. I mean, rail is a very good form of travel. Um, it's ecologically more sound than airways. And as far as travel to the mainland concern, it is, of course it makes sense to travel by rail. Mm. The question is, what are the priorities? You know, do you really need to spend... $84 billion on a railway that's barely used when you actually have a perfectly good railway system going to Guangzhou as it is, and all you're doing is shaving 20 minutes off the journey. I mean, you know, I'm all in favour of railways. I'm all in favour of high-speed railways. I'm not one of these, you know, uh, people who go, oh, well, I want to go back to the steam train. But I do think that, that particularly in these very, very circumscribed times, we might want to think a bit more about how public money is spent. 
Let's go to a couple of emails from Umesh. Hello. He said, on top of the Muppets they sent to Wuhan, over 40, I think, did you see how many were standing around when the flights landed yesterday? I counted <coughs> at least 12 standing around the aircraft, pointing out to arrival passengers on their buses. I wonder how many were standing around at the quarantine centre doing blah, 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 all. The madness continues on today's arrivals, he says. Ain't that a fact? I mean, you know, but I don't know whether Umesh noticed, but did, did they have clipboards? I hope they did. I like I like a clipboard, me. One more from Pete, who says, doesn't Trump's handling of the virus make the Hong Kong government look good? Good, yeah. quest- good question. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, this is, there's always someone worse. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I mean, his sort of oscillation from denial to boasting, we got the best medical system on the planet. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't think I have a great deal of confidence in, in, in a system run by someone who has never read a briefing paper in his life and if the briefing paper doesn't say what he wants it to do he just ignores it this has become the norm steve i mean wasn't it two weeks ago at the most he was saying now nah, peter kate we've got this with nothing's yeah. going to happen and i mean that's, that's tempting fate isn't it? it is i just got an email from a friend in the states <laughs> and she said to me even where she lives which is really in the middle of nowhere it's not it's not in one of the big cities yeah she said you know supermarket shelves are emptying fast we're going back to the essential problem that we had in Hong Kong of lack of credibility of people who are in charge. I don't think the great unwashed in America really trust Donald Trump to be handling a crisis of this magnitude. Well, the people you call the great unwashed possibly voted for him. They did. They did. So what? <laughs> well, no, but I mean, that this is in the nature of things. The, the, the great thing, of course, in a democracy is they can stop voting for him if they want to. Yeah. Here, we don't get that. Uh, Option. I mean, we, we, we're we told who the leader is going to be, and uh, that's it. Oh, sorry, I keep forgetting. There's the election committee, the 777 people who voted for the CNO. Yeah, you listen, know, you know that when, 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 pe- when people from these places say democracy is a load of rubbish, I mean, sometimes they, <laughs> they kind of seem to have a point, don't they? You can't no, really, you can't really go rah-rah. You know, that in the, democracies are deeply flawed systems except for the alternatives. So, to use a Churchillian phrase and mix it up and get it all, uh, it's, it's like I, I was just listening to something about um, um, the media. You remember the media? I think we're on it actually. Yeah. And it was a phrase by by um, by uh, Shimon Peres, who was who became the president of Israel, who, who said the greatest threat to democracy is is a free media. Yeah. The greatest threat to democracy is not having a free media. So what do you do? So what do you do? You have a free media. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you what I want to take you on to, the obvious thing now. A lot of hoo-ha amongst the media here in Hong Kong that they're getting singled out at the uh, demos and riots and this, that and the other by the police. The police are saying, well, don't stand so close to us. Where do you go with this, Steve? Be, be, well, be, be logical about it. Yeah, I mean, it is a fact, and it's not just a Hong Kong fact, that, that law enforcement officers are always frustrated by the presence of the media at demonstrations at events etc etc and they do feel that it's an inconvenience but at the end of the day if they are an accountable police force it's 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 part of their job it's part of the media's job to report what's going on but it's part of their job to accommodate accountability and you may think oh that's a bit you know that's a bit highfalutin in 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 circumstances where people are rioting on the streets and throwing objects and all the rest of it. 
It's not highfalutin. It's what's called a civilized society. And you only have a civilized society where at the most extreme times, everybody plays their role. The media play their role by monitoring. The police play their role by law enforcing. Well, sometimes et cetera, et cetera. you know what happens. And sometimes there's a bit of a bit of a hoo-ha. But I mean, you know, we've seen in the how many months is it? I keep forgetting. I mean, we've seen since June of last year. Yeah. The, the, the level at which police are now actively targeting reporters who are on the front lines of these demonstrations. That's not acceptable. I don't care which way you dress that up. It is not acceptable to do that. It's not acceptable to go up to reporters and pepper spray them. It's not acceptable to go up to reporters and put their um, identification credentials on online, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, this is it's See, just Steve, wrong. See, Steve, I understand, but I think this is the human nature thing kicking in here. It, arguably, it shouldn't happen. Training, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is the human nature thing happening here. I'm trying to do a job, and you are nipping at my heels. So yes. get out of my no, way. They're, they're very aggravated. I get it. Yeah. I, totally get it but the trouble is at the moment is the police are empowered to do things that they're not legally allowed to do they're not legally allowed to enforce the law without providing some kind of identification showing that they're policemen or police women they're not allowed by law to fire weapons directly uh, um, at at people they're supposed to for example in the case of tear gas to fire it above people's heads they're not supposed to be firing tear gas at retreating crowds the whole point about tear gas and pepper spray and all the rest of it is is to get people to retreat i mean once <laughs> yeah, they're I retreating <laughs> you're not supposed to carry on firing at them that's you know so there's all sorts of things going on within within the policing of hong kong which is leading to enormous antagonism and the fact that not a single policeman, I think we need to stress this, has been disciplined for anything that's happened during these events, including driving a motorbike into a crowd of people. I believe Those the word was reprimanded. That's all I know. No, apparently back on duty. Oh, well, reprimanded, then back on duty. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. But, but, but anyway. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, anyway, it's making, it's making um, gentlemen of the, of the press more, more who dares wins as well. So There is that. There is that. I mean, you know, the mutual antagonism between frontline reporters and frontline policemen is not exactly invisible. And, you know, I've been here a long time. I've covered a lot of things in Hong Kong, and I've always had good relations with policemen here. I find it terrible that we've got to this stage. But, you know, when you have a situation where the civil authority, i.e. the government, the tattered remains of the government, um, you know, over in Muppetsville, are not prepared to exercise their responsibility for controlling the police force, of course the force will act in a much more aggressive well. and a much more, should I say, freelance way than they would. If they than if they were under proper control, and it is in their own interests. I know anybody who's a policeman listening to it will laugh hollowly at that phrase, but it is in their own interests to act within the law to get the respect back. What's going to happen after these protests really die down? Is there going to be the same level of respect for the force that there was before June 2019? I 
just don't believe it. I'm glad you mentioned the word after, Steve, because people are talking about the coronavirus as though it's just going to one day <coughs> stop. And there was a fellow on Backchat this morning saying, no, we've got this for a while. It's not just going to turn off like a tap. And I suppose the same could be said for this kind of stuff, lasting um, effects. Well, except for the coronavirus will end um, in, in a sense that the civil unrest won't. I mean, the coronavirus um, is a virus. I think what I mean is uh, no, no, the, the way we I react think. to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know what, what, what he's saying. But what I'm saying is, you know, that it's a different level of magnitude in the sense that, that a virus peters out. I don't think the civil unrest will peter out in the same way. It's, it's just, it's gone too far for that. Do you get the impression that things are starting to kick up a bit now, again? No, not really. I think Bits it's simmering. Okay. I think it's simmering rather than burning. Yeah. So we'll see how that's... Uh, so Develops. Let's talk about lasting effects then. Across the board, anything that springs well, to mind for you. I, I, what, what my greatest fear now is, is that when we come to the period, and there will come a period, we just don't know when it is, yeah. when the coronavirus scare has receded, there is still a high level of public discontent. There's problem across the border because... <clears throat> the economy is going to take a sharp downturn, and after all, the Communist Party's credibility relies on the buoyancy of Absolutely. the economy. You will have desperate people in the government in Beijing, desperate people here. I mean, the government here are just headless, but, you know, they're sort of... And they may well choose to do desperate things. This is my greatest fear. Like what? And my greatest fear is what they will do is at the moment, they've allowed the mobilisation of various, you know, low-grade thugs to beat up protesters. I think their way of dealing with this could well be to try and mobilise a greater spectrum of supporters to take to the streets to commit violent actions against protest and actually force a much larger confrontation. That's an unspeakable <laughs> thought. But I can't say that because I've just spoken it, but it's an unthinkable thought in the sense that if that happens... Goodness me, many bets are off. And I, I worry that in a society where you don't have the normal constraints of a democratic system, this could be the, the, the kind of response that we'll be seeing after the end of the coronavirus. It's a possibility. So if some things were kind of resolved, would that cheer people up a little bit? I mean, this thing with blokes yeah. in white T-shirts in Yunlong is dangling there like a, a piñata ready to get whacked. So, is it, this is course, just... I mean, you know, if you had a rational and civilised government, your, your, your instinct would be, what's resolvable? What can I take out of this what can to I diffuse put to bed? the tension? Yeah. Rather than doing what this government does, saying, no, 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 and incidentally, no. You know, you have to have... I hate this word because it just sounds so pathetic, but you have to have a compromise. And but compromise will... often means we want to compromise, but as long as you do it our way. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, the, comp the obvious compromise that people talk about is an independent committee of inquiry. Yeah. In, in, in most circumstances, I don't think anybody would regard that as being particularly... But what could they know, do? Really? Uh, 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 exotic as a suggestion. An independent committee of inquiry. And I think you would have to have some heads rolling. You can't... So a committee of inquiry with the power to prosecute? 
Sorry? A, a, a committee with a power to prosecute, you mean? Well, at least a power to investigate. I mean, no, I think the power to prosecute needs to... Because, uh, I mean, OK, investigate all you like, uh, and then? Well, produce the evidence. I mean, I think that, that that's very... Well, then then, then it's up to the um, Public Prosecution Service to, 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 to bring charges if they're necessary. I don't. I wouldn't want to change the legal system for this. No, purpose. I know, but but I do think, as far as a committee of inquiry, it's got to be something with teeth. Yeah. It can't be the, the entirely um, pathetic um, police complaints um, body, which you know, I mean, is so pathetic that even when they they tried to enhance their credibility by bringing in foreign experts, they said, well, you know, we're not putting our names to any report by this mob because we just can't get the evidence. They sort of did, didn't they? But they've withdrawn. Yeah, they've withdrawn. yeah. We've got time so, for one more quickie. Shall we just very quickly... I'm, I'm sorry to be back at this, but yet again, we've had a High Court ruling on on um, same-sex rights, oh, which yes. is to do, in this case, with, with housing. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> access to public housing. And there they are again. Olden Chow, member of the Equal Opportunities Commission. See, I, see I, stuff I, like I, that. You I know, when I was talking words, about resolution, I mean, that's yeah. just glaring us in the face. It I, just doesn't make sense. Who, who seems to be obsessed. Again, this is going to stop. This is going to stop. Norm, normal, whatever that means, marriage in Hong Kong. Well, <laughs> all I can say is if normal marriage in Hong Kong is so fragile that it's going to collapse under the weight of same-sex couples being allowed to live in public housing, boy, the the normal marriage ain't much of an institution. Steve, you're a superstar. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much for your time. That is Steve Lyons, as always, here on The Morning.